welcome back to a uh, very special episode of Generally Assembled. It's uh, uh, one that we are doing not on our normal timeline, and we're going to be doing it because guess what we have coming up, guys? And by guys, I mean Neil and the, Representative Topper. He's yeah. back. The budget address? Yeah. The budget address is coming yes. up. Yes. A, Last uh, year it was a campaign video. It, it was a campaign video, and frankly, it landed like uh, like a dud, like a lead balloon. And, and I which, think, by yeah. the way, is how you guys know that how Led Zeppelin got its name, right? Got their name as the band that that they were they were going that the, they're watching the budget dress. No, they're and then he just decided to get stoned and yeah, I feel like I feel like that they would have probably on whatever they were on would have had you know more more enjoyment watching. But no, it said that their their song their album was going to flop like a Led Zeppelin. Oh, okay. Well, well, that's right. and, and that's how they they came up with their name. So Chuck, we need to put in the more you know music after that. The more, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you need to play some Led Zeppelin. Is what I think. That's good. But yeah, right. I mean the governor's address. I think in particular, we were in the middle of the pandemic, and here we had a governor come out last year, and he proposed the largest tax increase in state history. Again. I feel like we've said that Again. multiple times. Well, I know. Yeah. But you know, just just to remind everybody, if it hadn't been for House and Senate Republicans standing up for taxpayers, uh, the governor would have increased. <laughs> The personal I love tax. it when he reads his own his own and Miskin will be listening to this later and he will uh, uh, a I smile wrote that. yeah a I wrote smile that. will will come upon his face knowing that we uh, we we mentioned his it's his favorite talking point and every time you try to do something new. Uh, he will not stop saying standing well, up for taxpayers. There's a consistency in the message, and then the nice thing it is has the added benefit of being true because yeah. it is what we do in the now, Republican caucus. Now, I don't know if you saw this, Jesse. It was just kind of out your way, but the governor went to Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago and actually took credit for uh, you know Pennsylvania's strong yeah. financial footing. And once again, I think a lot of us were kind of in disbelief. Well, my favorite has been when he's taken credit for the budgets that he never even signed. I mean, that's happened right. before, too, <laughs> where he's let budgets become law because he doesn't like them, but he's not going to veto them. And then, look, I mean, that that's part of what we deal with here. And, and you got to get through the noise and, and find the facts. I, I will say, though, what we did in terms of putting that money aside, people are seeing the value of it now, because now we have a better idea of what actually it needs to be spent on, instead of just what we normally do in government, which is just spend money, and then what, what's the old uh, saying, uh, shoot, then aim? Like, that's what we do in, in government. Ready, we spend fire, the aim. money. That's right. We spend, we spend the money, and then we're like, we probably could have done that better. We actually convinced... Uh, this this government, this state government, to hold off until we saw where some of these dollars could be spent, and and I think that is certainly a win. And whoever wants to take credit for it, uh, as Mike Terzai would say, God bless. Yeah, well, and I think I think one of the the, the narratives that we have to combat is there's been a lot of uh, reporting in the mainstream media uh, picking up on just looking at the bottom line figure of how much money we have in reserves. Uh, and uh, we got from the federal government, and you know the the 225 million dollars that we pushed out to our healthcare heroes uh, last week. Um, it was interesting because I felt like the narrative that we were saying was we can afford this, but we can't afford much more. And I think a lot of people in the press were were kind of confused by that. And you know, Representative Topper, I know you're a vice chair on the Appropriations Committee. It's mm -hmm. really something that. Um, this money is already committed in out years because we're going to need it in in how much we need to balance the budget. Well, yeah. So we're we're being prudent because we know we know that this money could serve as a way to not have to raise taxes. But I think it's also important to, that we don't know what we're going to need 
over the next few years. We didn't know last year what we were going to need this year. We don't know this year what we're always going to need next year. The thing about doing a budget every year is, is there are a lot of unknowns. And I think our economy is so fragile right now based on what we've seen. And look, the, the entire country was swept up in this pandemic. And economically, it's going to take a while for the fact that people haven't been going to work and, and some of these things to actually take hold. We're starting to see it now with inflation and just the idea that we can't buy things, you know, the supply chain, the price of, of everything from gas to food. So we need to be continue to be very prudent in how we spend these dollars. And, and that's what we're about, right? We're about we're about being good stewards of the taxpayer dollars. And we're about standing up for taxpayers. And I think, too, uh, we have to remind folks that this is one-time money. So, you exactly. know, to, to build this into the budget as, as ongoing expenditures puts a huge uh, fiscal cliff down the road. Look, you have to look at where you can spend it wisely. I think the, the infusion into the, the hospital system and the long-term nursing, trying to make sure that we keep those very crucial elements of our healthcare system stable right now, those are areas that, that we need to look at. But you're right, just to, the idea that we're just going to start programs that are going to need to be funded five years down the road and then not have the money, that's how we got in trouble before. Well, that's also something I think that we're currently facing because uh, I know, as, as Chairman Saylor has, has repeatedly said, that basically there, there's been money that has been put into federal money put into programs that will then serve as the baseline for the next year's budget and now we're going to be responsible for a growing budget based upon a one-time influx of money and again that's how we got ourselves in trouble before and how democrats wanted to get us in trouble again Mm -hmm. and we did our best to, to to reconcile the need to have increased funding for programs in the middle of a global pandemic and prudently budgeting and not putting the money that came in and sending it directly out and prudently budgeting so we're having you know increased funding on one hand uh, but doing enough so that we can maintain that spending in the future years by by keeping that money aside and not just throwing it right in exactly Absolutely. trying said. to solve right. problems that are being created and that need to be solved right now. That's what we can use that money for. And and let's be clear, this is a full court press by the Democrats to expand government as much as they can under the auspices of an emergency, right? And and just this morning, you know, House Democrat uh, Twitter account sharing something from a, the campaign for human needs, um, calling like the people fund, the people fund, people helping people. <laughs> and, you know, they're calling f- to make the $300 a month child tax the human credit. Fund. The human Look, they fund. Have, they have their Steve Miskins too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, so they're calling to make the $300 child tax credit a month permanent. And then also there was an op-ed in the Philadelphia Inquirer today being shared by all these Democratic accounts calling for making rental assistance permanent. So, you know, during the pandemic, they create all these new programs and then they try to make them permanent as, a, as you know, a broad, big government approach. Well, and this is something I think we saw from Obamacare, which is once you make something very cheap or free, it's very hard to make it people pay for it again. You don't even have to look back that far. Once you pay people not to work, Yep. to the extent that we have done. They're not going to want to go back to work. I mean, it's once you hand out what you call free money uh, as, as the government, it's going to be hard to take that back. And, and that's, the, that's really the problematic nature of expanding government beyond its means is that it's a self it, it'll just keep feeding itself. And, and now that you've created a, an entitlement society that thinks they're owed everything uh, for free. And, and it's like it doesn't work. Someone is paying that bill. And you have the famous quote from Obama's chief of staff, Rahm Emanuel, who said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesse, you're a football coach. Um, I'm sure that you tell your players when there's an injured player on the field, everybody takes a knee and takes a timeout. The Democrats are the party that quick snap the ball and they're celebrating in the end zone while the ambulance is coming through the other end zone. <laughs> well, I, I yes, that's an interesting analogy. You know? <laughs> Feel that's, free to use it. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's, that's interesting. I, I like the whole the Democratic Party is like 
the Thanos army better, but that's fine. Go ahead, use it. Well, actually, I was wondering. <laughs> I was wondering if uh, this this the budget proposal we're going to get from the governor is going to be a big budget production like the Marvel movies, or uh, a small budget production like you know the original Star Wars. Oh, this will be no. It'll be big budget. This is this is this is Endgame, Age of Ultron, and Infinity War combined. Well, is what this will be. The key is to stay tuned for the end credit when Representative Sailor tears it to pieces on the floor. On the mid credit scenes. Can we talk about how brilliant that was, though? To because because look, every you go see a movie, you get up, you walk out. I mean, I, I've watched the, all the Marvel movies with my, my son Joshua, and it is like actually something you look forward to. You do sit and watch all the credits just to get to that last scene. Like, <laughs> let's talk about 15 how, seconds. And, that's yeah. like, and that 15 seconds, they make it, it's so big to you, it feels like you're watching another movie. Like, you literally watch the credits. How have not, how have other movies not picked that up? Well, that's fantastic. And it's it's great because it, uh, one of the things is that it sets, it sets up not only maybe a next movie, but sometimes two movies later. Oh yeah, uh, and it makes you so excited. And then if you're if you're really following the stuff, because I'm a huge nerd, uh, I literally have a Star Wars tie on, a Star Wars tie clip, and I'm drinking out of a Star Wars water bottle. That's that's um, disturbing. It's, it's, yeah, it's a bit actually, much. That, it's, yeah, a, it's a I problem. I got a problem. Yeah. I know. Um, you're 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 our, you're our spokesman. Okay. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, I mean, that's why hey, you these, do you. Might be that. You <laughs> do you. That's why these maps came out the way they did. <laughs> <laughs> Neil's dead. Uh, well, Neil, I, Neil I, just I, fell I, off his chair. I, I, okay. have, I have often said that that I have been a major beneficiary of our party's lack of a deep bench. So, um, uh, but uh, but but anyway, you know the, these end credit scenes or mid credit scenes, fifteen seconds long, and it'll sp- spawn all of these articles on the yep. sci fi. Internet. I was just say, don't uh, tell me you go deep down. The, no, no, we no, got to. No. Hey Neil, we got to save Jason here. <laughs> when he starts talking about the the sci-fi. Listen, I think though the the governor could get more people paying attention to his budget if he had a post-credit scene. What yeah. What do you think about that? Like everybody stays tuned, and then after the budget, everybody's kind of milling around, and all of a sudden, John Fetterman stands up and says something outrageous. Well, well that's that's pretty easy for him to do. <laughs> you know, I think I thought one of the the most interesting things uh, about some of the major news events that have happened in the last few days, and you know, certainly our our you know hearts and thoughts are with the people who were injured in that Pittsburgh bridge collapse. Was before President Biden was coming in, you know, you had John Fetterman and I think Josh Shapiro both say that they had scheduling conflicts, and all of a sudden the the bridge collapsed and John Fetterman is standing right next to Joe Biden in his gym shorts <laughs> yeah. and he said that he was on his way to the gym so he was too busy going to the gym to be at a presidential event yeah kind well, of amazing yeah that, that nobody wants to be seen with uh, with the president right now and, and you know th- that bridge collapse goes back to what you said Neil about never letting a good crisis go to waste even the governor put out information about that collapse that was not true that money was never no there was going to be no money ever going to that bridge anyway the whole it just again when you try and when you try and sensationalize events and even catastrophic events to promote political agendas uh, that's a problem and and we see that consistently well it's a good segue for a new segment i thought of which is called democrats tweeting stupid things we need a game, a new game. I heard your little games that you guys played with the other reps in terms of the. the we yeah. we got to come up with. Well, this is all I well, can I, come up I with. Will say, I will say this: Representative Ecker actually brought a game with yeah. him. So you should oh, bring a game. Okay, <laughs> all I right. Get it. So and you're right. So the governor actually put out a tweet. He said, "Shame on Republican lawmakers who didn't support the bipartisan infrastructure law." Bipartisan shame on Republicans. Anyway, Pennsylvania lives are on the line. It's long past time for the political games to come to an end. 
AOC didn't vote for that, did she? I don't think she did. And, and by well, the way, only three percent <laughs> of that bill actually goes to bridge replacement right. and repair. So you know, maybe shame on the governor for trying to. There pull. were there were Democrats who didn't vote for that as well, but we didn't and, call them out. And actually, another thing, JJ uh, Abbott, who was oh JJ's back. Yeah, JJ, who who oh, was yeah. Governor Wolf's spokesperson, he was, yeah. and is now gainfully employed as a Twitter troll. Um, he puts out this problem dark is not new. Dark, dark money trigger troll, tr- Twitter troll. <laughs> Uh, for five years, Wolf has proposed a way to curb the diversion of bridge and road funding to cover the cost of state police covering towns defunding their own police. The GOP legislature has rejected every plan and has not come up for, with their own plan. Well, it's actually just false, right? The governor has proposed a state police tax, but it was never going to go to bro- road and bridge repair. It was just going to go into the general fund so he could spend right. it elsewhere. It's about priorities. And in fact, it was actually the Republican legislature five years ago that took the first step in terms of motor license fund dollars that were being diverted to the right. state police. We put in law a phase down of yep. those funds. So JJ has it backwards. Intentionally. Another stupid tweet. <laughs> Ryan Bizarro. Uh, oh, I like Bizarro. Neil's standing literally on a soapbox right yeah. now. Extremists are using a veil of quote-unquote democracy to cover their attempts to make an end run about how government has worked for centuries. And, of course, he's talking about the constitutional amendment process where by constitutional amendments get put before right. voters. What is the veil of democracy? Well, and I, I because we're, we're actually putting questions to the people, but I think Chairman Metzger said it best at the, be, at the beginning of that hearing on the Constitutional Amendment on liquor privatization. It's like, look, it's not like we started our sessions saying, you know, we're going to do constitutional amendments. When, when the executive branch steps out and starts to make their own law, as they did, there was no democracy involved in that. When the executive branch uh, says, no, whatever the will of the people is, we're going to do exactly the opposite with the legislature standing on their desk screaming like we should do something another way. So we're actually wrestling democracy back from what has happened uh, throughout this pandemic. At least that would be my interpretation. Obviously, Rep. Bizarro would not think well, that. I, I, well, let's be honest. I mean, they're, they're still sore from the voters of Pennsylvania publicly spanking Governor Wolf and the House and Senate Democrats for their endless pandemic shutdowns and confusing orders. I'll, I'll close it out with this. I heard this. This wasn't for me, actually. I was watching uh, this week in Pennsylvania, and I heard Chris Nichols say this to, about uh, about constitutional amendments uh, And when he was debating the other expert, who's uh, Pete Shelley, which was, Democrats think it's important for everybody to vote, except when it comes to voting on constitutional amendments. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've established that you, you go on the sci-fi websites and you watch This Week in PA. Yeah. I have a very exciting life. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a lot God, of friends. Don't God, worry. God bless, God bless your wife. All right. All right so before we, uh, we break, we do have a very important announcement. Um, last week, we told you that Representative Topper was off on assignment. Uh, his assignment was to uh, research what's going on at Spotify. Um, we have a very important announcement. Generally, Assemble will stay on Spotify. That's right. Yeah, because we're, we're not snowflakes. Well, I figure, you know, once Joni Mitchell and all her followers left, uh, it's pretty it's a pretty safe space for us to continue to rift on liberals. Right, right. We're good. We're good. I'll, I'll still be here whenever you guys want me back. I think you tried some other reps, and hopefully we've come home now. I, I just want to know if how we can get on the Joe Rogan experience. That's what I want to know. You send him an email? All right. Yeah, well, like let's a, do it. <laughs> like a demo tape? Like a demo <laughs> we'll, send him a co- we'll send him this podcast, and he'll be like, those guys are awesome. All right. Real quick, we talked about it here. Favorite Marvel movie? Representative Topper. Oh, I, I think you got to go Endgame. Probably Endgame, yeah. All right. I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to mix it up and say Endgame. 
<laughs> Listen, I think you got to I think next time we got to talk about which one is your favorite aside from Endgame and we'll think about that for next time. That sounds like a good that sounds like a good conversation. This has been another great episode of Generally Assembled uh, for Representative Topper and uh, Neil Lesher. I'm Jason Gottesman. You can find this podcast where all your favorite Pennsylvania House Republican podcasts are found at www.pahousegop.com slash my podcasts on Spotify and all your favorite podcast apps. <laughs>